Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show. Hope you're having a great afternoon. I am your host, Scott Fullerton. It is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. Running things in the studio today is our amazing intern, Justine. Justine, how are you doing today? Good. Hello. How are you? I am okay. Uh, Justine and I, we're, we're working with back-to-back shows these days, so it's a little bit of a crazy transitions for us but i think we made it through right <laughs> we're on oh, definitely that's, that's important yes we are we're here <laughs> and we're ready to do this there you go well guys we have uh, a great show for you today if you happen to miss yesterday's show you definitely want to check it out when you have a chance we had a lot of fun every wednesday we always have our two boys from nashville josh and jeff from j&j buzz do a pop culture minute And they were on yesterday and had a nice little pop culture minute for us. And then our special guest interview yesterday was BP Major. BP is a writer, artist, and musician from Sydney, Australia, now living in the U.S. We had a great chat with him, and you can always check that out on the Left of Straight Show archives, and I recommend that you do. We had a good time with that. Um, Justine, I want you to get ready for our foodie minute because we're going to have a foodie minute in just a little bit today. Every other Thursday, we're so lucky to have our special correspondent, Ramis Ellis from New York City, give us some great either uh, great recipes. And tonight she's giving us an amazing tour of black-owned restaurants in, in and around the New York City area. So we're going to have her on in just a little bit. And then our live guest, special guest interview today is with Yawar Charlie. Yawar is an amazing real estate agent in Southern California, also on two reality shows all about real estate and was an actor in a previous life. You did a little research on him to join in the interview today to see. He's kind of interesting, huh? Yeah, I was looking into it and I'm really excited to talk to him later. It should be a great time had by all. I am looking forward to it. 
So we have just one hour. If you haven't listened all week long and you're still waiting for the podcast, please check it out. But we are doing just one interview live every day this week as we prep for our new political show that goes on right before this. Next week, we'll back to be our two interviews a day. But uh, So we'll be here for just an hour today, and an hour tomorrow we'll finish up the week again. So be sure to check that out. And be sure to give us a holler on uh, the social media. On Instagram and Twitter, mine is Left of Straight Radio, or Left of Straight, always spelled L-E-F-T-O-F-S-T-R and the number eight. Justine and all my other interns are Left of Straight Radio. And speaking of other interns, it is International or National Intern Day, Justine. This is your day. Woohoo! I know. It's my time to shine. <laughs> there you go. It's all about you today. We should have had all the interns call in, but we had. Uh, I just want to let you and all the interns know that you guys have been doing a fantastic job. They started in June. They're here through September. Hopefully you guys are having fun and learning a lot. But you've done some amazing work, Justine, and I just want to thank you on air for all of your hard work, my dear. Well, thank you. I've been working hard, and I have loved every single thing that I've done, so it doesn't really feel like hard work. It just feels like fun. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're enjoying it because you have been working your little booties off, all of you, so I appreciate it. And Justine is doing this. This is your very last thing to do before being an official college graduate, right? Yes, this is the last thing, and then I'll be getting my diploma in the mail. Woohoo! My degree. My I degree. Like <laughs> yeah. In fact, uh, we'll see when I, I don't graduate. Know if you, that'll be exciting. Um, I don't know if you had to listen to last night's show, but actually, BP Major um, graduated. Oh, no, that wasn't him. Never mind. I lied. Today, I did a pre-tape interview with um, Patrick Ortiz. I don't know if you're a fan of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, but I'm a huge fan of it. And Patrick Mm -hmm. is on that, and he got his Bachelor of Fine Arts from Cal State Fullerton. I guess they have a really elite acting program there I didn't even know about. I didn't know that either. I didn't know that either. No, I didn't. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I guess 111 people at the beginning of the semester, and... Within a couple of weeks, they narrow it down just to 11 to go for the rest of the year in this really oh um, intense dramatic arts program. But yeah. I guess Fullerton is a huge program. So go Cal State Fullerton, you. You're, you're doing go good Cal State there. Fullerton and Fullerton, <laughs> Mr. Scott Fullerton. There you go. I wish I was uh, part owner of the university. I may not be banished to Northeast Ohio anymore. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, we're going to jump into it today. We're going to play in just a couple of seconds. Ramis Ellis and her Thursday Foodie Minute. Like I said, she is featuring some amazing Black-owned restaurants in and around the New York City area. And uh, when the end of, of Ramis's, we're going to play a song. And when we come back from that, we're going to have our interview with Mr. Yawar Charlie. So, Justine, go ahead and cue that up. And, everyone, this is Ramis Ellis. Hey everyone, my name is Ramis and I am super ready to talk about food, but just before we do that, I would like to remind everyone that the killers of Breonna Taylor have still not been arrested and it is incredibly important, maybe now more than ever, to register to vote. I know some of you may not favor me coming off on that kind of note from the beginning, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves, things have not necessarily been great 
aside from COVID. People have been put in terrible situations that tend to involve police brutality. And, you know, when you also have leaders of your country that have a hard time seeing things for what they really are, it makes feeling totally comfortable pretty much foreign. Now, you're definitely going to run into people and, you know, cross paths with those, excuse me, with those who may not agree with everything you say or the feelings you may feel or your thoughts just on a simple subject. But there are going to be people who will step up and say, you know, I hear you, I'm with you, and I want to see the change that you're also hoping to see through all of this. It'll be a long time, in my personal opinion, um, I think, before we see any serious change where it is incredibly recognizable, but every little step counts, every person counts, and every in little bit of involvement in you know strengthening the black community is a win for all of us. So thank you to all of those that have been present, and you know it's going to be a long road, but I believe in all of us, and there's time, and we can totally do this. As a foodie, I fully believe that one of the biggest ways that we can show our love to the black community is appreciation through their food. I mean, black people have been putting these incredible dishes and flavors into their food for generations. And, you know, sometimes it gets lost in translation when a lot of other, you know, places and things try to recreate this incredible dish that already exists at a black-owned restaurant. And I feel like this is an awesome opportunity for all of us to, again, commit a little bit more financially to the pockets of the black-owned restaurants. Today, I want to share with you a list of all black-owned restaurants specifically located here in New York City. I would love to do a full list of places located all over the country, but I feel like I want to start with places that I know here at home. And then once I do a little bit more research, I would love to definitely share you know, some options with you guys to look out a little bit further. But let's start with New York. The first place I want to share with you all is Boulevard Bistro. It's an American, Southern-inspired, culinary labor of love brought to you by Chef Carlos. It's open almost every day, but I would just double-check, you know, of course, because things change. Um, I believe they do offer outdoor seating, and the food is amazing. Last time I went, I tried their fried chicken and biscuits with hot sauce and butter, and it was everything. Um, I definitely recommend it. The chicken was super crispy. It was very moist, not dry at all, which is very important. Uh, The biscuit was nice and fluffy. That was a little dry, but as they are expected to be. And I was definitely not mad at a touch of hot sauce and butter on the side. I also got to try their Boulevard Bistro wings. (laughs) They were amazing. Okay, they're tossed in garlic with soy sauce and ginger. Like, how, I mean, it was, they were amazing. Like, I've had, these are a little bit sticky. I've had sticky wings in the past, and these are like, just simply great. I mean, it's hard to really call it otherwise, but they are very, very good. So if you're ever around and you have a chance to check out Boulevard Bistro, definitely go for it and have these wings. The next location I want to share with you is called Lolo's Shacks. Now, this Lolo's Shacks is up in Harlem, New York. It happens to be right across the street from Boulevard Bistro. So if you're looking to try both places at once, kill two birds with one stone, you know what I'm saying, or one stone, one stone, <laughs> definitely check out Lolo's Shack. This is actually a seafood restaurant. They have really awesome options. Um, When I went, I had their soft-shell crab uh, sandwich on Johnny Cakes, 
and uh, girl, like, oh my gosh, they were amazing. I mean, I, I, there's no complaints. Like, I love them. And then they have these incredible uh, frozen margaritas. Like, I don't think you can go wrong if you go to a seafood restaurant that has really good seafood and frozen margaritas. Like, in my opinion, that is a win and an A+. The next location I want to shine a little light on is out in Brooklyn and is called Savvy Bistro. This place, I feel, also has a pretty solid uh, seafood vibe, but it is mostly a Caribbean-style restaurant. I feel like that's the inspiration. And I got their jerk salmon over rice and veggies, and we also ordered their jerk uh, chicken tacos. Now, I am a sucker for tacos. It doesn't matter what kind of tacos, as long as they're good and they're in the form of tacos, right? So I will pretty much almost always order tacos when I see them on the menu. It's like one of the first things I consider. Now, when I saw it on this menu, I had a couple thoughts going through my mind. I said, first, tacos, duh. Uh, Second, jerk chicken. This is easy. This is something I'm used to having. It's great if it's done well. I'm not worried, right? So we place our orders. We wait a little while to pick up everything. Uh, We take it back to our friend's apartment, and we get down. Immediately upon first bite, amazing, super flavorful, great combination of all the ingredients that were on the taco. Um, I believe it was cabbage. Yeah, pickled cabbage. Um, There was avocado. there There was pineapple salsa, and there was jerk aioli. Now, after I had this, I was like, I need to make jerk aioli. So I feel like on one of these, um, excuse me, upcoming episodes, I'm going to have to do like a taco series of just like a variety of tacos that I just make one day. Oh my God, I think I'm going to have to do a Taco Tuesday and just make a slew of different types of tacos, guys. This is going to be great. This is going to be really fun. Thanks for the idea. <laughs> but definitely check out Savvy Bistro. Um, head out to Brooklyn. It'll be great. The food is awesome. And, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Okay, next up on my list, we have Field Trip. Now, Field Trip is a little bit more on the healthy side. Um, Their style is typically uh, grain bowls with, I believe, you know, rice and or salad. I haven't had the salad option, so I can't really speak on that. But I know that one of their bases would be rice. And their menu, um, I believe you can get things custom. I've gotten something off the fixed menu. I happen to get the salmon with China black uh, pineapple fried rice with piri piri sauce and it was really really good again it's super healthy relatively simple with great ingredients um but you know if you're looking for something for lunch and you're in harlem and you feel like it's close by definitely go and check it out you may have to wait a little bit unfortunately because they're just that popular and that cool um so i suggest placing your order before going to pick up definitely take a really good look at that menu and if you're looking to um have a bunch of different things like try a few different types of bowls, I suggest getting the kid size because it's about half of the regular one. So if you're interested in, you know, mixing things up, definitely go with the child portion, order yourself a couple different style of bowls, and you'd be good to go. Oh, also, do not forget to try the crab pockets, okay? These things are fried goodness. They kind of, they like, they look similar to crab rangoon, And they kind of have that similar texture, but trust me, they taste way better. (laughs) So better than any crab rangoon that you might get at your local Chinese spot. And if you have a place that has bomb crab rangoon, please let me know because I would love to go and check it out. Um, But this place, their crab pockets, it has crab, 
garlic herbed cream cheese and it's served with sweet and sticky sauce on the side. Like, it is kind of amazing. It's kind of awesome. I'm going to be posting about it again very soon on my Instagram page at FeedRemise. That is F-E-E-D-R-E-M-E-I-C-E. Definitely check it out. I'll be sharing some more stuff about this <laughs> crab pocket. But if you're ever in Harlem and you get a chance to check out Field Trip, definitely order these babies. And now, last but not least, <clears throat> I'm going to share with you one more place. And it is actually a dessert place. So I think fitting, this is the last one. And I think this is quite appropriate. So this is Sugar Hill Creamery. Now, this place is only a couple years old. It was established back in 2017. And it has become quite the staple in such a short period of time. I mean, the ice cream is phenomenal. The people are great. And the, like, the quality is really, really good. And this is coming from someone who's, like, a snob about things when it comes to, like, desserts and, like, ice creams and things like that. Like, I won't have it unless it's (laughs) vanilla ice cream or near-style cheesecake. Like, that's kind of, like, I mean, there's a few other things, but that's, like, the baseline of like my desserts (laughs) so if I go there and I like love it I feel like everyone may love it also now to be clear I do not have a sweet tooth like most people I know but you know like I feel like those who like this kind of stuff can like really speak on it and be like you know this is good this is not like that is totally fine but the way I see it is like seeing as I do not eat ice cream and things like that all the time For me to be like, yes, I endorse it, go for it, I hope that means something. I imagine that means something. That concludes my miniature list of all the black-owned places I feel like you guys should definitely start checking out. And of course, the list is incredibly long, and it goes on and on and on and on. It's endless, so that means there are so many options, and I really would just love to see a lot more people, you know, diving into the culture, showing a little bit more appreciation paying for some of that food, definitely checking out these black-owned restaurants, and, you know, giving into the economy a little bit, showing a little bit of love. And, of course, I'm I'm almost sure you will enjoy the food. <laughs> definitely let me know if you guys are able to check out any of the places that I listed previously. Check me out on Instagram at FeedRemise. That is, again, at F-E-E-D-R-E-M-E-I-C-E. And I also have a link posted with um, all these places listed and a lot more all over New York City and surrounding areas. So definitely check it out, visit these places, give back to the community, show some love, and it'll be great. It'll be awesome. You'll be really happy. I hope you all enjoy yourself. Take care and talk to you soon. on my back porch We can go for a walk When it gets colder You can climb in my car Yeah, we can talk Sit up all night if you like I just can't let your restless feet find my front stairs Cause it'd be too easy to throw open that door and go where we've gone too many times before. You'd stay 
introduction i i i am going to play it again next time i'm depressed or sad so thank you <laughs> there you go well thank you for being a fabulous guest i appreciate it we have justine and i in studio we've been looking forward to talking to you all week long how is everything in beautiful downtown la my friend 
Things are good. You know, just spending some quality time on the 405 with me and about, you know, 10,000 of my closest friends in rush hour traffic. But other than that, it's amazing. Other than that, doing well. And talk about COVID round two. Are you cooking a lot more? Are you a Mr. Postmates man? So I I love to cook. And, um, you know, what was really interesting about the, the, um, the first kind of rounds of, of the shutdown and when COVID emerged, uh, I, life was really too busy for me to really kind of cook the way I, I normally would like to. And, um, you know, if my, my moms were listening, they would be very upset to know that, you know, we started ordering a meal delivery service because I just didn't have time to cook. <laughs> and uh, once COVID hit, I, you know, was like, I am back to kind of like that passion of, of being able to cook and, I always feel like, you know, if you've ever seen this, there was a, there was a movie that, that when I was a kid that came out called like Water for Chocolate, which was amazing. Yeah. And it was based on yeah. a best-selling Spanish novel. And it was this about this woman who, you know, everything she feels goes into her food, you know, if she's happy or sad, and then the people who eat it react in kind. And so I always feel like food that's made with love always tastes the best. And so I got to really cook for myself and my husband and, my, and our, you know, just a very small group of, of people that we were kind of quarantining with. Um, put on a few COVID pounds, lost those COVID pounds, and now I'm very scared to put them back on. So there oh, you my go. goodness. You already gained and lost it? You are a better man than I, my friend. I'm impressed. <laughs> I live there in Los Angeles. Go. I don't think you have a choice. There was a, there was a short window where the gyms were open, a very short window. Right, so I, like, right. I got my, my booty <laughs> on that treadmill, and I was not getting off until certain things were off my body. So, But, you know, just I doing like the best it. that we can and, and – and uh, feel really blessed that, you know, even in, during this, this trying time for, for a lot of folks that we're able to kind of quarantine or, or behave in a manner in a really beautiful place. And, um, you know, just really kind of, kind of reconnecting with kind of the community and everything else during this time. That's amazing. I love that. I'm glad that you were able to, uh, you and your husband and your little puppies. Oh, my God, I love your Instagram puppies. And uh, friends cute, right? chance to get Alice together. Turned oh, they are so cute! <laughs> I tell you, goodness, I yeah. love me a little puppy. That's for sure. Nice. Yeah, my What's little that little background? Yeah. Talk about yourself a little bit. Tell me about where you grew up and what kind of a kid were you growing up? So I grew up in San Francisco, and I grew up with um, my my parents were uh, just kind of. I guess give a Cliff Notes version of my my history. So my grandfather was a was a pretty famous actor in Bollywood and one of the pioneers of the industry, as you said, and did the first talking film. And he was a physical comedian, and so they gave him the the stage name of Charlie. And when he became famous, the, the Noor Muhammad part kind of fell fell off, and it was just Charlie. And so on mm-hmm. all the birth certificates, my grandparents had twelve kids, and the last name is Charlie, and that's how I got my last name. And uh, so my parents. Uh, when I was born, uh, they sent me as a, as a very small child over to live with my grandparents with the idea that they were going to follow. And then they're, they were, they're both actors as well, and their careers took off in, in South Asia. And I was raised here in California. And, um, you know, it's just one of those things, like it was California and San Francisco in particular was such a great place to grow up. And I was always a creative person, kid and, and always into like the arts and theater and, uh, never thought that it was going to be a career. I, I was studying psychology at the time in college, and then it just kind of blossomed into a career, and that's what I ended up getting a master in fine arts for theater, and I thought I would, you know, be a stage actor primarily, and then life took me to L.A., and, and 
went from entertainment into real estate because I really wanted to find, a, you know, acting was great, but, you know, at the time, you know, especially for my type, there wasn't a ton of work. I got a lot, if you look, it's kind of funny, if you look at any of my past acting stuff, you're like, wow, he's, he certainly plays a lot of drug dealers, murderers, and, and like, abusive husbands, <laughs> that is for sure. Yeah, a lot of those. Oh, no. Um, I think it's a dark, dark, dark hair and dark eyebrows. But you know what? It's, there, there are lots of fun to play, so I can't, I can't be mad about that. Um, it wasn't really until General Hospital that it was, that was like, okay, cool. He's like a sexy lab doctor. Like I, <laughs> that was, that was sort of sad. <laughs> but, um, you know, I just, I, I transitioned. I was like, okay, I'm going to use my contacts in like the entertainment world. And I, I want something else that is creative and interactive with people. And real estate was such a good fit for me. I ended up um, sort of setting up a few deals for family and friends just organically. And then my partner at the time was like, you know, you're really good at this and, and you love houses. Why don't you consider this a career? And um, I did that. And then within the first probably like nine months, I was the top new agent in our, in our office. And it was just, that was 13 years ago and everything else just kind of snowballed. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. You know, I'm, I'm, um, come from a really huge family where, you know, and very close and uh, uh, I live in LA and, and everyone else is in Southern California or, or still in Northern California where I grew up. And, and there you go. I've been married for six years together with him, with my husband, Jason for 11 almost, which is crazy since I'm only 21. Awesome. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. Um, <laughs> exactly. Right. So, yeah. There you go. I kind of got married on TV, you know, there you go. I love that. You got married on TV. Talk about that. That's not in my research notes, and I'm a damn good researcher. Tell me about this. <laughs> so six years ago, um, uh, when actually, – actually, now I guess it's almost seven years ago um, – when marriage equality passed uh, – actually, yeah, I guess it was seven years ago. Um, when marriage equality passed that, that um, winter, uh, the Grammy Awards, one of the producers approached my husband and I to be um, part of the, of the show because Macklemore and Ryan Lewis were nominated for uh, kind of a, a marriage equality anthem called Same Love. And right, uh, right. they asked us if we wanted to get married on the show. And originally we said no because, it, you know, the idea of, of getting married on TV, now we had just some background. We had planned on getting married um, Actually, Monday is going to be our six-year anniversary of the of the expensive wedding, as I call it. One was free and one was really expensive. So <laughs> the, the Grammys kind of came about, and we, you know, decided, you know, we're not going to do it. And we thought about it. We're like, you know, whatever it is, it'll be treated with respect, and it'll be a chance to be a part of something really special either way. I'm a huge music fan. So I thought, you know, this, this will be good, whatever it ends up being. And it ended up being kind of amazing. Um, Queen Latifah came out she was ordained so we came out during Macklemore and Ryan Lewis's number and then she came out the couples came out she married us and then Madonna came out and saying open your heart so I always joke around that Madonna was my wedding singer so there you go there's my television marriage story (laughs) I did not find that story I'm so disappointed myself but that is very cool I remember that Grammys I am not a huge Grammys watcher I love award shows in general but I don't usually watch the Grammys but I remember that one that's very cool. Yeah, you know, congratulations on it's sort of funny. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate that. Um, if you Google Grammy Gay Wedding, you will see our multicultural faces. It'll be the first thing that pops up. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I love it. Well, let's talk about the coming out process a bit. When did you first come out to yourself, and 
when did you kind of find your LGBTQ tribe? Well, you know, the interesting thing is growing up in San Francisco was probably one of the best things that I could have hoped for. You know, San Francisco is such an accepting place, and there's there's a space there literally for everybody, for better or for worse at times. But, um, you know, I went to an all-boys Catholic high school and a Jesuit college, and it was not until kind of college that the that issues around sexuality started to emerge. And it was pretty seamless. And I don't know if that's because I was in theater, if I, if it was just sort of um, a really conducive environment to just kind of be, um, I'm, I'm a very uh, communicative person and in it, it, and with friends and family, it was never, it was never an issue. It just kind of, I was the same hour before as I was, you know, when I started to date men and it just it was just okay. So I feel very blessed that right. I did not have a traumatic coming out experience. And I, I definitely feel and empathize for those who did, but mine was very, you know, very sort of seamless. And I never sat there, um, at least not to the extent that, you know, some people feel tormented by who they are and kind of accepting their truth. For me, it was very, well, this is how I am. Uh, I didn't choose to be this way, but, you know, again, I think it came from <laughs> at the time all this happened, I was a psychology major and I have a bachelor's in psychology. So I think I was like super like, let me analyze this and figure out what this means. Um, and so I think that kind of actually helped me in a strange sort of way just to go, you know what, this is how I am. This is how I've evolved. And um, that's that. And I just, I didn't, it was not a big like, you know, oh my God, you know, I need to, to pray this away or change or it's just, that was right. it. And it wasn't until, you know, I moved to LA and um, this is sort of a kind of a funny story. I, um, so I'm a very light sleeper. Um, it's actually rather annoying. And this is, this is a, <laughs> this is a while back, but um, my family would come down and visit me all the time when I moved to LA. And I had this really cute one bedroom in West Hollywood, but you know, normal folks would get a hotel no, like families of color, minority families, everyone's got to stay with you. It doesn't matter if it's on the couch, doesn't matter if it's an airbed, like you, <laughs> they're taking over your space. So I was like, all right, well, this is going to drive me insane. I'm not going to be able to fall asleep. So, you know, I would break like Ambien in half, like a little good Ambien and go to bed. And I don't know if anyone's ever taken this and I don't recommend that you do this, but there's a little warning on there that says, do not like stay up, do not operate machinery, all that stuff. Well, so if you stay up, it makes you very loopy. And um, suffice mm-hmm. to say that I, I, can't, I can't exactly remember how the conversation started. I know I was getting ready for bed. And um, somehow the conversation with my mom's turned, and, uh, turned to sexuality and religion. And I don't know oh, how the no. conversation started. I know, I know that I came out to them. I know that they said, it's okay, we know. And then we all went to bed. And I woke up the next morning refreshed, could not remember the conversation, I knew that it happened, but couldn't remember the details, and we didn't talk about it again for five years. It was delightful. Oh, that is wild. I love that. It was the most painless coming out story ever. <laughs> I like that. It's, it's it's not that way for everybody, but we get enough of them that no. it's worth it, and it kind of inspires others that it can be good. So I like that. we got, we got to give the positive, too. Very, very cool. No, and I think I think that's, that's really important because I um, – you know, obviously we had further conversations later down the road and it was sort of spawned by the fact that my partner at the time and I were buying a house 
And I needed to, mm-hmm. to let them know that he wasn't just a friend, that this was someone that I'd been with for five years. And um, it was a very robust conversation. And I, I always feel like if you don't give people the – because there's always a worry, right, when you, when you share that right. news with people and you don't know how they're going to react. My attitude has always been if you let go of that worry and you really stand in your truth and who you are and really approach it with the attitude is of the I'm the same person I was before I delivered this news as I was after, you loved the same person five minutes ago as the person standing in front of you now. If you kind of own that, then people, in my experience anyway, don't tend to have a horrible reaction because you are comfortable in your own space and skin. And I realize that's not the case for everybody. And so, but for me, that's how right. it really was. No, I think that's very well said. And I also think that we do build it up a lot more in our heads than anyone else does. I mean, we kind of put right. all these extra, extra scared things. What's going to happen? We, we always go to the worst, the worst outcome that can be. We, we never think of the mm-hmm. best outcomes. And so we, we are, uh, we are often, pleasantly surprised and we're often mad at ourselves that we didn't do it earlier when that happens to us. It's kind of a funny double-edged sword there, but let's go ahead yeah, and bring Justine into the conversation. Um, she is, uh, if you guys met Justine earlier, our intern here, it is national intern day and she had some questions she wanted to ask. So go ahead, Justine. Yeah. I was just curious how you decided to move from San Francisco to Los Angeles. I mean, NorCal and SoCal are so, different like what made you realize that that's what you wanted to do yeah they're very different i mean we from northern california have a very strong opinion about folks from la um (laughs) but for me it was um it was really centered around the acting um i had just finished grad school and i had just i was on tour um doing shakespeare and decided that i wanted i mean the life of a stage actor is is very transient it's very gypsy like you have one day off a week. Uh, you're doing eight shows right. a week. And, and at this point, I was traveling around all over the place, and I just wanted to settle down. And, if, and uh, I wanted to be able to do TV and film. And at the time, if you wanted to do that, there was only one, two places to be, New York or L.A. And really, L.A. is the epicenter for that. I'm, too, I'm a California boy, so far too fragile for New York. So I was like, all right, L.A. <laughs> is. And so I came down here and, uh, to pursue acting, and – you know, I had come from a space where I was, I was kind of established in the, in the kind of theater world, and I knew classically kind of what parts I would play, and I worked pretty regularly, and then I came to L.A., and it was a shock to the system because I was not used to walking into a room, an audition, where there were 12 people that looked like they could be your brother, cousin, you know. I was like, wait, where, who are all these people? So it was a real shock to my system, but that's what brought me to L.A. When you came, were you acting, were you out as an actor? Like when you would audition, did they know that you were out or were you playing characters straight or did you keep your identity on the DL? No, and it wasn't, it wasn't a conscious thing. I think anyone who, um, look, I mean, let's just be real. It's not like I'm an, I was not a known entity, right? I was just, this is (laughs) Yower Charlie, here's his headshot and here's his, his credentials. And you have two minutes in the room, if that, and you, got to make your magic happen. You don't get mm-hmm. that. You don't have those personal conversations about your personal life, who you, who you, you know, as who you identify as or any of that stuff. You're there to mm-hmm. play a part, you know? So if I'm in there, if it's a doctor, a lawyer, a drug dealer, murderer, whatever the case may be, 
my job is to embody that role. I'm not there to be yeller. I'm there to be that character and connect with that character. Because in that room, you have a very short amount of time to make that impression, and you have to have the casting and producers and sometimes directors see you as that role. That's it. You know, sometimes if, they, if there were extended conversations and they sort of asked about, you know, like, oh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, sexual identity is not necessarily a go-to, but it would be more like, you know, mm-hmm. if you had a quick elevator speech, you need to catch their attention to figure out who you are as an individual and what you bring to the role. Mm. Wow. Very well said. I like that. Well, let's kind of go on. You you transition now to real estate and talk about, you said you got some sales pretty early on. What was your background? What was your training like? Um, what did, were you surprised how quickly you took to it? Talk about what, what kept your interest while, while you were learning the trade. Well, you know, for me, it was, it was very, um, it was a very organic experience. I, I, when I was acting, I saved up some money and um, (laughs) one night uh, I was, you know, after a few cocktails and eating a cheeseburger on the couch, was watching this bubbly blonde (laughs) woman on like, I think it was like CNBC and, and, you know, I was like, who is this? And it was Susie Orman. And I loved this show. So I started at the time, TiVo, this is how long ago it was, TiVo the show. <laughs> and, um, and she was talking about saving money and credit scores and buying houses. And I'm like, I could do all of those things, you know, cause as an actor, you know, that, and if I could go back and tell my, you know, 18 year old self some information, you know, advice, it would be learn the business side of things. Cause they don't teach you that anywhere really. Right. Um, and, you know, I didn't know about like, you know, the ins and outs of credit scores and why it was important to buy a house and all this stuff. So I ended up buying a house and I, and my, my realtor, um, you know, God bless him was not great. And I ended up doing a lot of the research on my own and found that I was really interested in it. And like I said, you know, encouraged by my, my then partner to really explore that. Um, I just found that I took to it. And, and as a creative person, you know, you always have to be creating something, right? And you always have to be like right. imagining and, and, and otherwise you, you, you know, suffocate. And so for me, it was like, I loved going into homes. I loved showing people homes. I loved connecting with people. You know, I'm, a, I'm very much a people person and I like um, that kind of personal connection. I think that's what drew me to, like I said, have getting a degree in psychology in the first place is I wanted to understand people and help people. Um, my friends joke around and call me Dr. Yower because everyone comes and sits on the couch talking about their problems, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so I, um, that's a whole other show. So uh, basically that's kind of how it started for me and it just kind of grew and snowballed. And, um, you know, even it, I, I try to find the creative outlet, whatever it is that I do. And one may not necessarily think of real estate as a creative space, but it really can be because, you know, there's a lot that goes into, telling the story of a house when you put it on the market and the, right. the, the marketing and the photography. And when you're showing a house, you know, like I, I literally just got back, you know, half an hour ago from showing a pretty substantial property and it was such fun. It was one of those, you know, today I was just like a beautiful day. How blessed am I that I get to be at my job, you know, when pleasant people come through the door and you get to kind of walk them around and just show you know, allow them to imagine their life in the space. And that's what I love about my job. And that's kind of how the transition for me was really palatable. And then, you know, of course, 
the blessing of being able to kind of connect the dots with the, you know, the psychology, the sales part of my life, the acting part, right. of bringing it together and doing, you know, listing impossible and doing the American dream. And it was just, you know, so all of that kind of is crossroading in my universe right now. That's fantastic. And I love, I mean, I didn't really have a chance to watch the series, but I did watch your reel there. And I love when you talk to creative and you had that one listing where you turned it into an adopt-a-doggy kind of thing. And yet that is yeah. creating an event. So all of a sudden you're an event planner just as much as you are anything else. And you're, you're using this creative side, which I absolutely love. And as you said, such a juxtaposition to start adding the acting as you go through this reality programming. Was that a a big change for you to see how that side of the TV worked on the reality side, as opposed to uh, doing your dramatic acting was it much you know, of a transition. It, it, is, it is. I mean, when, when you are scripted and you're playing a role, you're that someone else's words are embodying somebody else. When you are in a, like a reality or a lifestyle space, your job is to be you. And, um, right. you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not one of those, like I've, there's, you know, people are always like, Oh, is your show? Like there's other real estate shows out there that are a bit more on the dramatic end. I won't mention what they are, but they, um, <laughs> that's not, that's not my cup of tea. Um, I'm not that right. boy. I'm not a table flipper. Uh, there's better people. If you want to bring that kind of drama, that's just not my brand. Um, but what I, what really attracted me to sort of listing the possible and to the American dream were that it's, it's real life. Um, you know, if you watch the show, it's not scripted anyone. And you can ask anyone who's a realtor, anyone who's ever sold a house, the stuff that we go through, um, granted it's on an elevated level because we are a luxury team and it's a luxury brand and it's a luxury show. Um, Right. But those struggles that we go through um, are exactly the same thing that every realtor goes through with a challenging listing. It just is. And what do you find is the biggest challenge for you in the entire in the real estate market? Um, is it the getting the listings? Is it the setting up the working with so many different people? to present a house? What, what's the challenging part for you? And do you kind of enjoy overcoming that challenge? Well, the answer is D, all the above. Um, <laughs> it, it is a, every day presents its new set of challenges. You know, there's no, you know, there's some days where I joke around. I'm like, you know, Yower, could you pick some easier industries, you know, just to make life a little easier, like, you know, from going from acting to real estate. <laughs> it's, there's no industries that I know that are so variable and so dependent. Like, you know, real estate, for example, is in, maybe people, some people may not understand exactly like, oh, how you get paid, they, you know, but I could be working on a deal for weeks and it could be days away from closing. And if that deal falls apart for whatever reason, whatever income I had planned on disappears with it. And it is, it is not for the faint of heart. You know, there, there have been months where, you know, I was killing it and I thought, okay, great. I'm good. At the end of this month, I'm going to have X. And sometimes what I've seen in a matter of days, if not hours, that X disappear <laughs> for, for things that are well beyond my control. And so you right. have to, you know, you have to have the stomach for it. You have to have 
the patience and the drive for it because you are working for yourself at the end of the day. And so, therefore, you do have to be self, a self-starter. You have to be motivated. You have to be focused. You have to know why you are doing what you're doing. And, you know, I'm a firm believer in being your authentic self because there are over mm-hmm. 200,000 real estate professionals in California. 200,000 of them. Just stay with that number. And everyone's aunt, uncle, brother, cousin is a realtor. And so to set yourself apart, you got to figure out like what makes you unique. And that is, you know, your own personal qualities and your drive and everything else. So I always try to focus sure. on that. So to answer your question, is it easier to like, you know, is it more, is it easier to get a buyer or to get a listing? You have to be working on all fronts because I could have a bunch of listings. The day they close, I'm literally out of business if I don't have something else lined up. You have to kind of look right. at real estate that way. Like if I don't have, a, if I just close a deal on a bunch of buyers, that's awesome. But if I don't have something in the pipeline, guess what? I'm out of business until I do. Mm-hmm. So it's very like you got to be focused and, and driven and professional and really good at what you do. Well, you gotcha. do have your psychology degree up your sleeve. So how do you use that to bring in home buyers throughout this whole process? Um, well, for me, it's, it's, um, that degree has not gone to waste. Let's just put it that way. Um, (laughs) when you are, look, when you're working with people at the end of the day, this is the biggest investment house. Generally speaking, the biggest investment someone's ever going to make in their life. They have been saving for it. It's their pride and joy. And I'm very respectful of that. And with that, like, for example, like when you're selling a house, you have to understand psychologically where the seller is coming from. You know, it's an emotional experience. You have to understand like their background and where they're at in life and what the circumstances are behind the sale. Like you have to know all those things in order Mm -hmm. to act and react uh, effectively. And so, Mm -hmm. and and same with buyers, you know, like you have to pick up like, okay, this is, this is this kind of buyer. They just, they don't want to see a bunch of places. I'm going to preview. They just want the greatest hits and they're done. There's others who really want to be immersive in the process, and I might have to show 30 things to. So it's really figuring out, like, you know, who, who your client is. And also understanding, you know, I, was, I, I try to, you know, I, I always say that, you know, the biggest thing my clients can do is look back on our time together and say, you know, thank God for hour. He made it so much easier, like, he was great. And I hope that they refer me someone else. Like that's always like kind of my goal. And I think mm-hmm. that it, it, it's worked, it's worked well for me because I really do try to just be my authentic self. And I, I never try to push something on somebody else. So psychologically speaking, it's like, you really do have to, you've got to know your audience and you have to be able to interact with people and, and deal with a variety of people and their moods because they change all mm-hmm. the time. Mm, yeah. Well, well you mentioned that buying a house is like a really big step in someone's life. And that just reminded me of your previous show, Marriage or Mortgage. Can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> sure. So I did a pilot called Marriage or Mortgage. And um, it, I, it was a really wonderful experience. Um, and the premise of the show was um, the premise of the show is that there was a high end wedding planner. And there was me, the real estate agent, and we were working with couples who had a certain amount of money and they had a decision to make. They could either have their dream wedding 
or they could use that money for the down payment on their house. And so Mm -hmm. throughout, as the show progresses, it's like, you know, the wedding planner shows them like, ooh, this is a venue you could have. This is the kind of food. They do a tasting. They drink wine, you know, music. And then I show them houses that fit their needs. And at the end of the episode, the tagline was, well, is it going to be marriage or mortgage? And that was a kind of catch. And what I'm convinced got me that show was when we – when I was interviewing and, and doing the, the interview for the show with the producers and casting, they said, oh, well, you know, you know, you're coming in, you know, like as the realtor and blah, 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 and you're going to convince them. And they told me the premise and I started to laugh. And they're like, why are you, you know, what, why are you laughing? I said, because I just went through this and I chose the marriage. And they're like, what? <laughs> and I said, we, my husband and I had the money set aside and we were going to buy an investment property, I was like, you know what? I'd rather have the wedding. Because he was like, we can either, because we had gotten married on the Grammy, so we'd already had, like, the, you know, the big marquee thing. He's like, yeah, or we could throw, like, a party and call it a day and spend, like, a tenth of this money, or we're going to do a three-day thing. And if we, you know, if we do that, then we can't really buy this investment property because that'll be the down payment. And I was like, well, then we're having this wedding. And I told the producers that, and that's what got me the show. Wow. So I was that's like, yeah, amazing. I get it. The struggle is real. That's As a 22-year-old, if someone told me you can have a house or you can have a wedding, I would say, give me the house, please. That will be mine forever. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> what about you? right on target there, Justine. I love that. Very cool. Well, talk about we can't too, have Scott? There you go. We can't have an expert as much as you are here, Yawar, and not kind of give at least one tip. What is something universal, whether it's a high-end house, low-end house, anything in between, what is something people need to do to make their home attractive to other people? The first thing that I tell clients when you're about to put your house on the market is that this is a business transaction that we need to kind of personally mm-hmm. detach and that includes depersonalizing the house, uh, meaning photos, per, you know, knickknacks, just things that would distract from people looking at the space and imagining their life in it. So, you know, you, when you go to a house, when you go to like a friend's house and, you know, they have all, like, all their family photos up on the wall and you walk around almost like you're in a museum and you really don't notice the house because you're not really there to look at it. You're, you know, you're there to see your family, your friends, or whatever. And all you do is look at the photos. You can't do that in the house that you're selling. So the, per, the experience, though it is a personal one, has to be depersonalized for business. And I always tell them, like, you know, this, this is an emotional process, but I'm going to need you to look at it through business eyes and trust me as a professional. These are not personal comments. The feedback I'm giving you is not a commentary on your taste. Um, you know, it's nothing, none of those things. This is all about me doing my job and getting your house sold. And then I always tell them the obvious, you know, put away your medication, put away your valuables, potentially install cameras in the interior of the house. Um, you know, and that's, we start from there. That's really kind of, and that doesn't matter if your house is a $200,000 house or a $2 million house. My advice to you would be the same. You know, I love that. That's kind of what we need to do. Yeah. 
And myth bust for me a second here, Yower. I mean, do cookies work? Because I would just sit in the kitchen and eat the cookies the entire time. I'm a chubby guy. I don't know if I'd look at the rest uh, of the house. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, well, times have changed. So pre-COVID, I will tell you, um, you know, look, in L.A., if it's hot, I have, like, bottles of water for people to take, you know. On Tuesdays, with, we usually have our broker caravan, and what that is is the day that agents have to go see all the inventory that's coming on the market or is on the market. And we try to have, like, lunch and stuff out for them. But for the public open houses, we don't do that. And now with COVID, it's completely changed the landscape of how we do business altogether. But to answer your question, will cookies sell or, or you know, or not with a home? Um, I'm, I'm always for a good carbohydrate. I'll never say no to that. <laughs> I like it. Now, what about personally? Are you are you able to detach yourself? Because, like I said, I love homes. I used to I used to live in Southern California. I would drive through Bel Air and Beverly Hills and all the areas around there just to look at these fantastic houses. Are you able to detach yourself and not fall in love with these houses and want to buy one for you and your husband? <laughs> oh my God. Uh, there, there are days where I walk into a home. I mean, I, I'm in a. I, generally speaking, I'm in a lot of homes per week, and and so the ones that sort of on a on a larger level, I always feel like, you know, when you when when um, people say like, the right home will find you, or at least that's something I say. But conceptually, it's like when you walk into a house and you're like, oh my god, this is it. You know, like putting right. a good pair of shoes. Like, oh, this is it. This is amazing. Um, that's that feeling is a very personal, energetic feeling. That I always feel like for people. And so for me, you know, I'm I'm there looking at it with different eyes. But there are times where I've walked through a house and I'm like, oh, oh god, this is like <laughs> everything. And I'll call Jason. I'm like, oh my god, I found their house. Like it was so good. He's like, <laughs> and he's always like, how much was it? And I'm like, oh, it's like twelve million. We can't. He's like yeah, we're not doing that. I'm like, I know, but if we had it, this would be it. Or like there are other homes that I'm like, babe, I found this house with possibly the best view on the planet. Um, we're not in the market for a home, but if we were, this would totally be our thing. Like, and we would do this and this and this to it, you know? So I'm, I'm always, always on the look. Nice. Well, you're constantly well, you looking at new, beautiful houses. What does your own house look like? Do you feel like you're always changing it to look like these new houses or like changing your modeling and everything? So the funny thing is I always joked around when I first started my real estate career that um, I don't have that, that gay design gene at all, like <laughs> at all. If I had a blank room it would pretty much stay blank. Like I'm not one of those people going, Oh, I'm going to do boom, 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 boom. Then, uh-huh. but I, you know, what I was doing was I was selling myself short. Once I started my real estate career and I was like in homes day after day, I would be like, Hmm, I like that. Oh, you know what? I would do that to that wall or I would do this. And uh-huh. I was like, I kind of know what I'm doing. And then as my, as my confidence level with that grew, you know, I realized, yeah, we've been doing this all along in this, in this career because, you go into a house and you're setting up a listing to, to bring to market, you know, you work with stagers, you work and you see their creative palette. I work with developers. I see what they do. Um, and mm-hmm. so I've, I've kind of picked up tricks of the trades along the way. And I think now I'm, I'm 
pretty decent. Um, I'm definitely not like, you know, crazy designer, but I feel like, you know, I, I have good taste. My taste tends to fall more on the classical side of things. Um, I love historic homes. I love things with history. In fact, I'm a commissioner for the city of West Hollywood. Um, I'm the historic preservation commission. And so we live That's in this amazing. beautiful historic, we live in this, in this really great neighborhood. Um, and it's a historic neighborhood in LA and we have a really great historic space that's been redone. So it's like, you look at it and you're like, Ooh, this is charming, but you know, the Sonos and the Nest and all the systems are upgraded. So it's like, I don't want some 1920s breakdown plumbing. Everything is new. So it's like, you know, it's, I always appreciate that when, when historic qualities like the windows and the architecture and materials on the exterior are, are maintained in modern and, and in interior under the hood, everything is modern. I like that. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I, I love character in a house. Uh, anything that has something kind of unique about it. I love that kind of either, whether it's the architecture, whether it's a history or a story of something that happened with it. I just think those things are so, so unique to it. That's amazing. We got to start wrapping it up. Yeah. Hour. I appreciate all your time here. Talk about um, where you see yourself in five years. Here, do you see another TV show? You continue to do what you're doing now. Um, is it an addition to your job? Is it? Do you ever see it becoming a burden? Maybe down the line, and just wanting to do your job. I mean, how much? How much time are you devoting to this? To do both. Well, you know. It's, it's open-ended. I, I'm in a career that I really love and it gives me the flexibility to live a pretty awesome life. And so I can't, I, I, there's no time frame on that for me, but I will say that, you know, it, I think everyone in their kind of own path needs to figure out like, you know, what does retirement look like? What does the future look like? And I like real estate and I like creating abundance and I like creating wealth for my clients. So I'm trying to apply those same. I try to, I should say, apply those same skills to my own life. And so I see myself, you know, Jason and I are always interested in income properties and I see creating wealth through that season. Well, it's not five years, but, you know, knock on wood, season two of listing impossible <laughs> is on, on the horizon. <laughs> um, you know, and I'm, I'm really, you know, I, my business coach, who's phenomenal. Uh, she, a long time ago, she would tell me, she goes, yeah, there's a, there's a saying that says, you know, it's like a, like a Buddhist saying, which is, you know, I'm open to everything and attached to nothing. And I really try to live my life that way, which is I'm ready for whatever the universe brings my way. Like, I'll take it, you know, we'll roll with it. And I don't need to be so like, I have everything planned out because, you know, things change and you have to be flexible. So I'm like, you know what, as long as I'm a good person, I do right by others and I do, and I really apply myself, good things are going to come my way. Very well said. I agree 100% with that. I love that philosophy too. And, and I think that's great. I, I need to get you into buying um, houses here in Ohio. The, the cost is so amazing. I could never move back Let's to LA. You, know, you have to find me a nice <laughs> guest home with a nice celebrity or something, because I, I have a uh, third of an acre here. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure you know real estate all over the country, but yeah. where I'm at in Northeast Ohio, I'm in a great school district on a third of an acre brick house. Um, it has, 1400 square feet upstairs and a 1400 square feet furnished uh, finished basement 
the most I can sell my house for Yower is $175,000. You know what, though? In your area, that's, that's probably a great price. And that thing no, it is, is a great price. And, you know, yeah. If you, as a side note, if you want to have me back another time, I will talk tips and trades for you know, especially like LGBTQ home buyers and and how to create wealth and abundance through real estate because there's so many different options and it doesn't have to be in a big city. And what COVID has created for us right now, which is a whole, I could talk for an hour about this, but it's really energetically changed how people look at their life. You know, we don't necessarily, a lot of people, some of my clients who, who are like in the LA, like rat race have been like, you know what? I can work from home now. You know, I work for so-and-so streaming company and we're not going back. They're like, we're closing the office, work from home. I don't need to be in the middle of LA. I want to like hang out in Palm Springs and sit by the pool while I'm rolling calls or I want to go, you know, to like the mountains or just out of state, like people, all bets are off. And so people are diversifying and expanding what they thought was possible for their life and thinking about new ways to live and work. So I think that goes hand in hand with real estate. I agree hundred percent. And we have to have you back. I mean, my first interview with someone, I always like to get background in history and I just find you so fascinating with everything you've done, but I really would love to get that expertise from you because you really are an expert in this field and are dedicated to your community, which I love. And if you will come back, I will have you back many times, my friend. I think you are an well, amazing person. Thanks that. for coming Thank on you. the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate, I appreciate both of you for having me on. Well, let everyone know where they can find your television shows and where they can follow you on social media. Sure. So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, at Yower Charlie, Y-A-W-A-R-C-H-A-R-L-I-E. Or my website, www.yowercharlie.com. The shows um, are, are Listing Impossible, which is on streaming platform. It is on the Peacock streaming platform with NBC Universal. You can find that online at cnbc.com, The American Dream, which is on Apple, Amazon, Roku, which is a monthly show. And, you know, you can find all that good stuff on my YouTube channel. So thank you so much. Amazing. Stay on the line for me. I appreciate you so much, Justine. Great questions. We're going to play out to a little travel around your world by our buddy Matt Stern. And when that's over, we're going to have Justine and I back to wrap things up today. You're listening to Left of Straight Show right here on the Left of Straight Radio Network.
it's not right to never keep my mouth shut Always wanna give it and never wanna give up I'm just trying to keep this holy, leave the rest The destiny much for tuning in today what a great show thanks so much to Ramif in new york city for our thursday foodie minute you need to check out some of those amazing restaurants that she told you about i am a taco person and she's going to do a taco segment soon so that sounds very exciting a big shout out to yawar we appreciate him so much for coming on and telling his story and we're going to have him back real soon and talk about ways to grow your wealth and ways to kind of take control of this economy as part of the LGBTQ community. I'm, I'm so happy that he wants to do that for us. So yeah, we're Charlie will be back very soon. And of course, thank you so much to Justine. We appreciate her coming on and running the boards for us there in studio. Justine, you have fun. Oh yeah. I always have the best time. Thank you so much. Well, you are awesome. Happy intern day to you guys. We're going to have one more thank show this you. week tomorrow. Regular bat time, regular bat channel. We are going to go back to a two-hour show tomorrow with two brand-new live interviews tomorrow, starting at 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, Up first, we're going to have our regular Friday Fitness Minute with Jason Caceres from West Hollywood. And then I have two very interesting authors on tomorrow night. First up is going to be author Byron Lane. He's an author and an actor. And he was actually the personal assistant to Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. So he had a firsthand look into Carrie Fisher's life and was with her uh, through her writing her books 
and was there when she passed away. And he has a brand new book called A Star is Bored, which is a fictional take of a Hollywood actress who made her fame through a sci-fi movie and her assistant sounds a little familiar, but it's an interesting story. And he is actually uh, in his second battle with testicular cancer that he is just finishing his last round of chemo for this week. So I'm excited to have Byron on tomorrow. And then for our second year, we're going to have Eric Marcus on. He is an author and podcast producer. He wrote the book, Making Gay History, talking about the LGBT history through the years and created a podcast as part of that. He also is an amazing journalist and writer. He wrote the autobiographies or co-wrote the autobiographies for Greg Louganis, the Olympic diver, out Olympic diver, and for Robbie Rogers, who was the out soccer player that is married to Greg Berlanti, who makes everything on television between him and Ryan Murphy. They own half of television for things they produce. So it's going to be a very interesting and fun show tomorrow. Justine, anything exciting or words of wisdom to tell our listeners before we head out? Um, have a good weekend. That's all I have to say. <laughs> there you go. Good weekends to be had by all. Guys, we appreciate you again listening to Left of Straight Show. Be sure, if you are listening to the download, that you hit the little subscribe button wherever you're listening from. Uh, if you like an episode, please give it a five-star rating. It helps us be found easier in the podcast listings. Follow Justine and all the interns at Left of Straight Radio, at Left of Straight Radio on Twitter and Instagram, at Left of Straight Radio Facebook page. You can follow myself at Left of Straight on Twitter and Instagram and the Left of Straight Show page. And we're, TikTok is at Left of Straight, but we're all having trouble logging in. So I'm going to look into that this weekend. We'll start posting on TikTok again next week. So we appreciate all of you. Have a great evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks, Justine. We'll see everyone later. Bye-bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.